da uh, a fellow's father passed away, and he was the man was very busy and very important, and he felt that he didn't really have time to go to his dad's funeral. So he called his brother and he said, you know, I'm not able to come to the funeral, so if you'll arrange everything, first class, take care of the service, the burial, all the details, and I'll pay for everything. And his brother said, okay. And a couple of weeks after the funeral, the older brother got a note from his brother along with the receipts and an invoice for the funeral costs, which were a few thousand dollars, and he paid the bill. And then, a month later, another invoice came from his brother for $400, which he paid. And a month after that, he got another bill from his brother for an additional $400. He thought that was strange, but he went ahead and paid it. And then, strangely, he received another invoice the next month for $400. So he finally called his brother, and he said, what are these monthly invoices I keep getting? His brother said, well, you said you wanted everything first class for the funeral, so I rented Dad a tuxedo. <laughs> now, I think that the brother who was responsible for the service may have been thinking that that was a gentle way of letting his brother know he was a self-involved twit. But on the other hand, we might say that wasn't so gentle. It was a little passive-aggressive. Gentleness is the theme for today. We are entering our very special fall eight-week program, Dare to Live the Life You Came to Live. This is one we do in the fall every year. It is a part of our annual planning program for 2014, and it is meant for our opportunity to deepen, to connect more closely with each other, and to expand our spiritual awareness and experience of the divine within us. So this year's theme is Take Flight with Wings of Love. Take Flight with Wings of Love. And this morning, I am saying to you, our theme is Dare to be Gentle. Dare to be gentle. Now, you might not think it requires daring to be gentle, but often in our culture, gentleness is confused with weakness, with being a doormat. You know, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But I think secretly, people think maybe the earth isn't worth it if they have to be meek to get it. You know, we feel like we want to be assertive and confident and strong, and that maybe being gentle is not compatible with that. So I think that we have a misunderstanding about what it means to be gentle. We associate it with maybe little kids, or with women, or with people who are very emotional or very weak. And so gentleness can be something that we overlook as a strength. St. Paul said it was a gift of the spirit, gentleness. but. I don't think that gentleness gets very much play as a, a sort of a, a sexy quality to have in Western culture. Charles Kuralt, who used to do the Sunday morning pr program for years, uh, said once, the everyday kindness of the back roads more than makes up for the acts of greed in the headlines. The everyday kindness of the back roads more than makes up for the acts of greed in the headlines. And I think he was bringing something important to our attention, which is that 
assertiveness, aggression, greed, negativity, um, conflict, those things make headlines. They sell newspapers. They cause people to stop and pause on the channel, whether it's on the radio or on television, to stop and read the article or the blog on the internet. Gentleness, you know, gentleness breaks out in Vancouver. I don't know if people were, would read that article if they saw that. Is that going to be compelling? Well, maybe it's time for that to become a compelling quality, because the power of that is the power of flexibility, the power of suppleness, the power of responsiveness. It is not a conflict to bring firmness and gentleness both into a situation. They're not antithetical to each other. In fact, I think, to be truly gentle one needs to be able to have the confidence and firmness to stand in place so that real gentleness contains uh, aspects of kindness and equanimity and awareness and wisdom in order to act in response to what's coming while being unflappable. So there's a story about a monk who was uh, somewhere in the Far East when their country and their monastery were overrun with samurai warriors. And the samurai were killing all of the monks in the abbey. And the, uh, I don't know what you call the head monk. The abbot, that's it. And the abbot was being threatened by the, the samurai who was the leader of this warrior group. And he came in and the monk stood in the middle of the room and just looked at him calmly, looked him in the eye. And the samurai said to him, don't you know who I am? I could run my sword through your belly without blinking an eye. And the, abbey, and the abbot said to him, and don't you know who I am? I could let you run your sword through my belly without blinking an eye. He met him with complete gentleness and presence. There was no aggression in his response. What he was communicating is that the threat was not going to move him from that position of groundedness, kindness, presence, and gentleness. You know, the, the story about the few in the midst of the Holocaust, like Viktor Frankl, who managed to maintain a sense of the dignity of human beings in the midst of such horrors. People who decided that the, the, the Nazis were not going to choose what they thought, even though they could force them to behave in certain ways or experience certain things, that what they didn't have control over was what they chose to think and how they chose to feel. Gentleness is the choice of the bamboo over the oak tree. Now, the oak tree has a lot of things to recommend it. It has power and strength and <clears throat> energy, and it communicates that in its beingness. But what it doesn't have is flexibility. So if there are huge high winds and terrible storms, oak trees can get broken into pieces. Limbs can fall off. As compared to the growth of a bamboo, 
You know, the interesting thing about bamboo trees is that when you plant them, at least some of the varieties, for the first year, they might grow a half an inch. And then the next year, they grow a half an inch. And so on for like the first five years. And then the sixth year, they grow 30 feet all of a sudden. Now, that's, that's hyperbole, but it's not much hyperbole. So with the movement of the bamboo in the wind, huge storms can whip them back and forth, but they have the flexibility to withstand the storm. They are flexible and supple and responsive. And that's what gentleness is. That what, that's what it brings to us in our ability to live and be. Pema Chodron, who is the abbess of a Buddhist monastery here in Canada, said, when you begin to touch your heart, or let your heart be touched, you begin to discover that it's bottomless, that it doesn't have any resolution, that this heart is huge, vast, and limitless. You begin to discover how much warmth and gentleness there is, as well as how much space. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, said it this way. He said, compassion and caring are the ties that bind us together in mutual understanding and in the unified attempt to uncover the divinity in each other. Compassion is the most gentle of all human virtues, for it is the outpouring of the divine givingness through all. Can you imagine the infinite presence of God feeling like it needed to be aggressive I mean, wouldn't that be bizarre? Since we know that it's infinite, unlimited, and omnipresent, that essentially God is all there is, what would that aggression be directed toward? It would only be self-directed, which would be a real serious lack of self-esteem. The infinite presence has no need to be aggressive or pushy. You know, I know in our in our our sacred stories from a lot of the traditions, we talk about the fierceness of God or the fearsomeness of God or that we should fear God. I actually don't believe that at all. I don't think there's anything to fear. I don't think there's any need to be afraid. We might be awestruck, we might be dumbstruck by the amazing qualities of the infinite, but fear, fear is not a quality of God. Therefore, it is not an essential quality of any of us. The gentleness of God, the subtlety of God, the sometimes even sneakiness of God, those things we might discover in that infinite presence, but not something that needs to be feared. So this gentleness is some quality that we want to actually begin to cultivate within ourselves. This past few weeks, on the minister's listserv, we, we ministers in Centers for Spiritual Living have a listserv and everybody's in conversation all the time. And we get regular uh, updates of these conversations we can participate in. And recently there's been a conversation going on where there's a certain amount of contentiousness among the ministers because they've been discussing a couple of things that are um, uh, being spoken about by their congregations and their communities and by some other ministers that some of the group feels shouldn't be included because they feel like it's going to confuse people about what we're about and what our teachings are about. 
And so there's been conversation back and forth that's been rather heated sometimes. Now, you know what it's like when you're attached to something and it's a value that's so important to you that it really hits a nerve when somebody is doing something different than that or they disagree with you. Can you, can you relate to that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? So this was going on among the ministers and because we are emailing each other, um, you know, one of the dangers of email is that we can't be quite as clear as we might mean to be or need to be with each other so that people could misunderstand us or we might sound very harsh when we don't mean to. And this is some of what was coming up. And because we're ministers and we talk a lot and we write a lot, some of it was kind of subtle, but sharp nevertheless. And uh, our dear minister in Santa Rosa, Reverend Dr. Edward Filyun, who grew up in South Africa, had not participated in the conversation at all until yesterday, and this is what he wrote. I grew up in a household in which sarcasm came naturally. By the time I left home, sarcasm was imprinted on every brain cell and leaked out of every sentence I spoke. Out in the world, I quickly discovered that as a method of communication, sarcasm rarely accomplished what I thought it would. It didn't break the ice, diffuse tension, make a point well, win a debate, and it didn't connect me to others. Most often it damaged relationships and left a wide burn zone around me, on the other side of which were a growing number of people who doubted my sincerity and feared talking to me. The turning point came when someone called me rude and condescending, and I painfully faced the recognition that I was and I didn't know how to stop it at once. Rather, I struggled, like a person struggling to quit smoking. I wrestled daily, sentence by sentence, to strip mischief from my communication and suppress my sarcastic reflexes. Sometimes, I tell myself that there is a time and place for everything and that suppressed sarcasm can come out safely when I am among close friends or with colleagues. But that's a lie I tell myself when I feel too lazy to look for a more beautiful way to talk about what is truly important. In stepping down my sarcasm, I've come to witness people's feelings being lacerated by the kind of sarcasm I used to be an expert at. It brings tears to my eyes now and a deep, dull, sick feeling when I witness it or when I feel it wanting to vomit out of my own mouth after all these years again. The origin of the word sarcasm in the Greek language means to tear flesh. And generally, definitions of the word point to the intent to hurt. Sometimes I hurt when I read message boards and comment sections on the internet, and I remain quiet, not because I have nothing to say, but because I have not yet found a way to express it that is consistent with what I believe I value, kindness. Our amazingly beautiful world of technology has brought so much to us in terms of new ways to connect and communicate, and yet some of our most important skills related to its use are suffering, such as the practice of genuine thoughtfulness, old-fashioned decency, listening, and responding to other points of view with grace, subtlety, and finesse. 
He's talking about gentleness. He's talking about taking a moment when the knee-jerk reaction arises and taking a breath before we say that cutting thing and entering into the practice of gentleness. It is a deep, profound spiritual practice, and it's not easy. Um, many of us are quick with quips and comments, and we've actually developed the skill to do it, either because it was a survival skill we needed in our families, or because it made people laugh and made friends for us when we were teenagers. But we may discover, as he did, that the continued use of cutting comments doesn't actually bring people together, but tears them apart. So, this week, in daring to be gentle, I want to invite you into a new practice. And I want to share this interesting reading with you from the Tao Te Ching. It says, now, now this does equate gentleness and weakness, but we'll leave that out of our equation, even so. It says, a man is born gentle and weak. At his death, he is hard and stiff. Green plants are tender and filled with sap. At their death, they are withered and dry. Therefore, the stiff and unbending is the disciple of death. The gentle and yielding is the disciple of life. Thus, an army without flexibility never wins a battle. A tree that is unbending is easily broken. The hard and strong will fall. The soft and gentle will overcome. So this week, as we begin our program, you're all going to receive an affirmation card, which we're going to give out right now. Who's going to help me hand these out? Give some of those to Robin, would you? And we're going to receive our commitment card to gentleness. And if you're willing to dare to be gentle, What we'll do is we're going to stand and read the affirmation that you're receiving together in just a minute. And I'm going to invite you, if you feel willing to be gentle, to take one of these cards and put your name on it. At the top it says, I dare to be gentle. We're going to invite you to put your name on it and put today's date on it, which is October 13th, 2013. And then we're going to collect them. You can just throw them into the offering basket uh, when we do the offering. And we're going to collect all of these commitments to be gentle. Let me give these to you too, Robin. Now, along with the, the commitment cards and the affirmation cards, I have more if you need them. We're going to give you a beautiful poster that has the themes for each of the eight weeks we're going to be experiencing together. Now, this beautiful poster says, take flight with wings of love at the top of it. And at the bottom, it says, dare to live the life you came to live, 2013. And it has the theme for each of our eight weeks on it. What we want you to do is to take this home, to put it on your closet door, or the back of your bathroom door, or on your refrigerator, or take it and put it up in your office where people will ask you what it is because we want you to be in conscious practice throughout this eight weeks together. 
This year we made the affirmation card so that you will not take it home and glue it on your poster because we want you to carry it around with you and to refer to it often throughout the week. And they will be bright colors so they'll be easy to find. And I want to particularly thank David Lee who did all of the design and printing for the cards not the, not the commitment cards, those I ran off on my printer at home, but all of the affirmation cards and the posters and donated them to us. So David, would you stand up so we can thank you? This is David's printing, printing company's design work and uh, we wanna thank him for these. So these beautiful posters uh, are back on the desk where Jeannie is and I'm gonna be standing in the lobby with them and please come and get yours today. So they will be a, a reminder throughout the week for each one of us. So I'm gonna invite you to stand now with the red card it says, I dare to be gentle. And we're going to read the affirmation on it together. You ready? I dare to be gentle. I dare to embrace gentleness. I am safe and confident in this kindness. It is easy for me to surrender to my natural state of gentleness. Yes, this is true. Now I want to invite you to sit down and take your card that says, I dare to be gentle, and go ahead and, and sign it and date it. And I don't even have a pen up here myself. So we're going to be sharing pens with one another, I'm sure. If you need one, give a wave. Jeannie has some, and we'll share them. Thanks, Robin. So these cards, hang on to these cards, and we're going to put them into the offering basket. And let me just ask you, if you're willing to sign this, would you wave your card up in the air? Great, great, thank you, thank you. So we're taking a stand this week to uh, be in consciousness, to support one another, to stay aware, to stay awake and aware of being gentle and being kind to one another. And this, this and the cards and the posters will be our opportunity to, um, to stay aware of that. This is Thanksgiving weekend. I am grateful for you. And I am grateful for your kindness and generosity and gentleness and service. I'm grateful for your presence here. I'm grateful for your love and support. I'm grateful to be in this beautiful place. I'm grateful to have an opportunity to be a minister, which is what really feeds me. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity to experience change and growth and deepening with you. During the next eight weeks, we're gonna do several special things that I have cooking in the back of my mind. But one of them 
is the Harvest Festival that's coming up this Saturday. We have said that we want to celebrate that we're here at St. Mark's and we want to welcome the community and let them know that we're here. So this coming Saturday from 2 until 7 downstairs, we're going to have pumpkin carving and costume contests and food. So if you're willing to make chili or pie or soup, Jeannie has sign-up sheets for uh, over here on the information table for food. And please sign up. We may, may be doing a best pie contest, so you, know, you don't want to miss that if you're a baker. We want you to be participating. And we want you to be here. We want you to go out and invite people walking around in Kitsilano to, Kitsilano to come and, and join us. We want to let people know that this is happening. So do we have more flyers on the table back here, Jeannie? So Jeannie has a little tiny mini version of our flyer. It's very tiny. And um, we encourage you to take a few of those. There are, there's some big ones too. Take a few of those and paper the cars around here when no one's looking. Is that illegal here? It is illegal? Oh, oh, okay. I said, is it illegal? And Jeannie says, absolutely. I'm going, no, she says it's not, okay. So what we really want to do is to let people know that we're here and that we want to enjoy this season with them. And um, so be gentle when you invite people and feel free to bring your friends with you. This is our opportunity to enjoy the fall together with food and festivities and contests and little prizes. And if you're someone who feels you know a merchant that might donate prizes or pumpkins or pumpkin carving gear that's safe, or um, I, I don't know what else. Talk to Ray. Uh, Ray, over here, Ray Gill and Dane Christensen, who's not here this morning, are our co-chairs. Talk to Ray and he'll help you know. But we have a letter you can take to merchants and we'll make sure that you get it that lets them know that you're not just trying to get free stuff by telling them lies, but you're really coming from us and we're asking them to participate. So I hope that you'll all be here and celebrate the harvest with us next Saturday, and have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Namaste.